Welcome or welcome back to Pre Arb Excellence of Roots Base Chicago Cubs podcast. Will and I in player development today, 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 tonight, I have a look at games that seemed as if they were two entirely different sports. Two entirely different sports. Realistically, there were three options in the Cubs pipeline today. And realistically, you couldn't go wrong with either one. If any of the three, you couldn't go wrong. You watched the Cub, the Chicago game most likely, but there were three games. All of them were good selections. I'm going to start Myrtle Beach, where the game got rained out. Myrtle Beach against Charleston. No game. Doubleheader tomorrow starting at 4 p.m., so you can get your 4 p.m. baseball in before the iCubs start on Marquee. No game in Myrtle Beach tonight. So since we're starting in Myrtle Beach, let's go completely reverse order, completely bass backwards tonight and start in South Bend. South Bend sent Tyler Santana to the mound. Tyler Santana was a post-draft signing this year. The post-draft signing, the draft is only 20 rounds. So there are a number of players that were realistically draftable that were not drafted by anyone. And it's going to presumably be that way for quite a while. There will be more non-drafted post, um, non-drafted, undrafted free agents post-draft free agents, however you wish to phrase it, because there are merely 20 rounds and teams are not going to be able to have enough rounds in the draft to select all the relatively interesting players. Uh, What teams have currently been limited to is a $20,000 signing bonus for players like that. Tyler Santana, I think he was the guy that went to Jacksonville for... Four years, five years at Jacksonville, something like that. Um, Well up there uh, pitching boards on a number of different categories. Starts, innings pitched, games pitched in, all that kind of stuff. Tyler Santana, very accomplished college pitcher. Started his pro career in the Arizona League. That didn't take very long. Um was advanced to, boy, did he start in Myrtle Beach or did he start in Tennessee? I'm not going to, in South Bend. I'm not going to look it up, but he's to South Bend now. And due to a couple of injuries, and after all, he's been a college pitcher at the D1 level. So why not send him out the mound at uh, South Bend for South Bend against Beloit? (laughs) You know, if you have a non-drafted free agent and you sign him for $20,000 and you send him out and he's terrible, well, then you learn something, right? If he does well, hey, he's already pitching an advanced A-ball. He's already getting people out. So no matter what, it's somewhat of a win-win-win-win-win-win. So Tyler Santana sent out to play in South Bend. And I'm going to do a little bit of... It's starting to get September. It's starting to get September. I'm in northern Illinois. 
I'm probably 25, 30 miles away from the Beloit facility. And it's not cold, cold, but it's September. It's starting to get a little bit chilly. I don't know if you watched the Cubs game today. It's starting to get a little bit chilly. It's not warm. It's starting to get a little bit chilly. And when it starts to get a little bit chilly, uh, the offense sometimes starts to go away. That kind of happened today up in Beloit, Wisconsin. Tyler Santana not entirely stretched out as a professional. Four innings pitched, three hits, no uh, no runs, none earned, one walk, six strikeouts. I'm going to go through that one more time. Four innings pitched, three hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts. In advanced A, a guy who got a $20,000 signing bonus. Yeah, you'll take that. You will totally, completely take that every single day of the week. So Tyler Stambaugh, uh, Tyler Santana lifted. Dalton Stambaugh comes in. Three innings, no hits, no runs. Three wa- uh, two walks, three strikeouts. Again, you'll take that. Tyler Santana's ERA for the season, 2.53. Dalton Stambaugh, ERA for the season, 3.24, at least at the uh, South Bend level. You'll take that. You'll take that. Neither one are um, considered prospects or ranked prospects or 35 pluses. or Actually, they're both probably very legitimate 35s. They're both probably very legitimate 35s. If a team ends up in a situation where, okay, how about we have to make a trade? We will take uh, either one of those guys. Tyler, Santana, Dalton Stombaugh. Both of them, hey... I, they're a one in eight chance. They're both of them. I think they're both left hand. I know Stambaugh is left handed. I think uh, Santana is. What that? You know, they're they're one in eight chances. They might figure it out. They might fi- probably won't, but they might figure it out. They're already pitching well at advanced day. Think about it. Okay, now we go to the bottom of the eighth. Game still tied. Danias Correa, one inning, two hits, one run, one earned, three strikeouts. A rather Danius Correa, sort of outing, not one of his better ones. His ERA is 3.38. Correa, as opposed to Santana and Stambaugh, is a Rule 5 draft-eligible player. He needs to be assessed. In my my most recent podcast, Ethan Roberts and Brendan Little are both Rule 5 eligible this offseason. They both had very shaky outings today. Correa gave up a run, but in one inning, no walks, three hits. Very, 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 very legitimate considerations going on. Should he make a 40 man? Should he make the 40 man roster in the offseason? Should he not? He's on 9798. I, I ran into my page on him uh, when I was working on my. Um, on my folders a couple days ago. And uh, the the one note I had for Correa, 98. That, that, that was my note, 98. <laughs> that, that completely tells you why people are interested in Danias Correa, 98. Um, offensively, Liam Spence, who takes over the shortstop spot with Luis Vazquez going up to Tennessee. Lu- Liam Spence today, one for two, two walks. Um, Jonathan Perlaza, one for three. Bryce Windham, one for three. That's basically the offense. It was a one to nothing final. Uh, 
very good pitching. Very good pitching. Not hitter-conducive weather. Full breath. The Tennessee game tonight, I have periodically run fake Cubs games. I plug in current Cubs rosters. Current Cubs rosters into Cubs games of the past. I've done it with a game from 1969. I've done it with the Homer in the Gloaming. I've done it with a number of games through the years, and I've decided this year I should probably do that again, except I want to do a, a minor league game. I want to do a Cubs minor league game. That was my thought. A couple days ago, there was a fantastic Dominican summer league game where the Cubs came from way back in the seventh inning and tied it and won it next innings or some such kind of garbage. Then there was the game today in Tennessee. Javier Estad started five and a third innings, nine hits, five runs, five earned, no walks, five strikeouts, two home runs. Brian Hudson and Burl Caraway pitched rather well. Burl Caraway pitched an inning, had neither a strikeout or a run allowed. I'm trying to figure if that's ever happened before in life. Uh, Caraway, he, he a hit against, a walk against, but no runs allowed. Um, Darius Valdez and Samuel Reyes pitched late. But now what I'm going to talk about is the actual game, the actual game. In the first inning, Christopher Morrell doubled in a run to put Tennessee up. One to nothing. Uh, the lookouts, Chattanooga lookouts, tied the game in the top of the second inning. Tennessee had a two-run double from Nelson Velazquez to make it three to three. Top of the third, Chattanooga tied the game. In the sixth inning, Chattanooga scored two runs to go up five to three. Tennessee had a runner on with two outs, runner on first, ground ball to I think it was the second baseman, maybe it was a shortstop, one of those double errors, bobbles the ball, flips it to the other infielder, and the ball escapes, and now all of a sudden you have runners on second and third, and Nelson Velazquez, who had doubled in two runs in the second inning, gets a three-run homer. So now, all of a sudden, it's 6-6 six to six after six innings. And it's looking like a fantastically good game down the stretch. So, the bullpens do fairly well. And we go to the ninth, tied. Let, let's see. No. We go to the ninth. The Smokies lead 6-5. Smokies lead 6-5. The ball is turned over to... Doris Valdez, and it just didn't work. It just did not work. The player acquired in the, let's see now, he was he was one of the pod, James Norwood. Doris Valdez was acquired for James Norwood. I did not write down his number. Someone told me he sat down to watch the Doris Valdez inning, and after five innings, he had to turn it off. It was that bad. He just wasn't. It was frustrating. It, I had the game on the audio the entire night, 
and he, he it just it just was bad so the smokies head to the bottom of the ninth down nine to six nine to six they're down just it's over right it's absolutely over brandon davis leads off the bottom of the ninth hits a leadoff home run now it's nine to seven hey at least there's a chance right at least, at least, at least there's a chance. Couple hitters later, Bradley Beasley with a runner on base hits his first double A home run. Game is tied nine to seven. Inning still going. Inning still going. Smokies get the next two runners on first and third with. Two out with one out. Delvin's in, pops up a bunt. The ball is caught, and the runner is doubled off a third. Extra innings we go. Samuel Reyes comes in, and the first hitter hits the ball back to Samuel Reyes. Reyes looks the runner back to second, throws to first, one out. Next batter. Hits a grounder to Samuel Reyes. Looks to second. The runner on second has strayed too far off the base. He runs him back. Back picks him. Two outs. Runner on first. Reyes gets out of the 10th inning. We will go to the bottom of the 10th. Tied at three. And leading off is Nelson Velazquez, who is two for five with five Runs driven in. Nelson Velazquez is retired. Nelson Velazquez is retired, as is the next hitter. And Brennan Davis comes up with a runner on second still and very close to going to the 11th inning. Brennan Davis wears one off his hand. Hit by pitch. Two on for Christopher Morell, who has two doubles on the night. And Christopher Morell hits one well off into the forest. Absolutely crushes one. Christopher Morell finishes the night three for six. Four RBIs, a double, a double, a homer. Brennan Davis scores three runs, one for five. Nelson Velazquez, two for six, five runs driven in. Bradley Beasley, one for five, a home run, two RBIs. Edwin Figuera, two for three, two runs scored. Tim Sasnara, three for four, one run driven in. Fascinating game. Not particularly well played on either side necessarily, but it was fun to listen to. I I, I was planning on this, the Pelicans game, but the Pelicans game got rained out, and I turned to the Smokies game and kind of got a little bit sleepy listening to the game. It was a fantastic game to listen to. It was fantastic to listen to. If you like pitchers' duels, the South Bend game was fantastic. If you like hitterish games with possibly some screwy defensive stuff, the Tennessee game was fantastic. Now, let's turn to the Cubs game. Ian Happ had his daily homer. Um, Alec Mills, I, I think I've decided who I think Alec Mills is. He's a right-handed, less exciting version of Travis Wood. Six innings pitched, four hits, a walk, three strikeouts, a run, earned run. Just completely boring. Gives up one home run 
And that was all the offense he gave up. Because that's who Alec Mills is. He's not exciting. He's not exciting. He's never going to be exciting. He's never going to be, woohoo! I get to go watch Alec Mills. He's gonna no, he's completely boring, and that's fine. Um the bullpen. Rowan Wick, two innings, two hits, nothing. Cody Hoyer, two innings, two strikeouts, nothing, including an inning with the place base runner, nothing. Just absolutely doing nothing off of Cody Hoyer. Um Joey Votto doing absolutely nothing off of Cody Hoyer. Cody Hoyer in the Craig Kimbrell trade, boy, that's sounding really good. Um, but really, the game, it's a, the, the three-run homer by Hayward after the hit by Wisdom. The news, though, for me, the news, though, for me, the news in the afternoon, in the early afternoon, the early afternoon news was um, Michael Hermosillo to the injured list replaced by Nick Martini. That was the early afternoon news. The later afternoon news was Hermosillo is probably finished for the season. Hermosillo is probably finished for the season. With that being the news, with Hermosillo uh, done for the season, really that should adjust your 40-man roster sheet. The Michael Hermosillo being injured for the season really ought to adjust your 40-man roster sheet for the offseason. Michael Hermosillo is not going to play the rest of the season. He is done for the season. And I see it as almost impossible for Michael Hermosillo to earn a 40-man roster spot if he's not going to play. If, he's, if Michael Hermosillo is not going to play, he is not going to earn a 40-man roster spot. He has not done enough yet to earn a 40-man roster spot. And he's not going to play the rest of the season. Michael Hermosillo will not earn a 40-man roster spot. So, if Michael Hermosillo is not going to earn a 40-man roster spot, and it doesn't, doesn't appear that he's going to, he can go into the little box. He can go into the little box. Some of you are thinking, what the hell is the little box? You haven't told me about the little box before. When I work on my 40-man roster, and I'm looking, as, as I'm talking, I'm looking around for my 40-man roster sheet. I can uh, talk about stuff without looking at the 40-man roster sheet because I've been updating it a bit as I go, and I've been asking the questions a bit as I go, and I've been asking the questions every day as I go. Should this guy have a 40-man roster spot? What does this player have to do to earn a 40-man roster spot? And then Michael Hermosillo, he needed to hit. He needed to hit. I would have had no problem whatsoever with Michael Hermosillo having a 40-man roster spot over the offseason. None, none, no problem, not at all, not even remotely, not whatsoever. 
but he hasn't hit. He hasn't hit enough. He hasn't proven. He hasn't shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's earned a 40-man roster spot. So, he won't get one. That said, there is a significant difference between he has not earned a 40-man roster spot and he is not worth having around. In early September, there's a day, December 3rd, December 4th, December 5th, I may have to keep my eye open for Arizona Phil because he is good at remembering those, those dates and mentioning those dates and clarifying those dates and specifying those dates and all that kind of stuff. There's a day, there's a day in the season where teams are allowed to lobby with their players, lobby with their players who, frankly, they're close. They're really close to being on the 40-man roster. But frankly, they just haven't quite done enough. They just haven't quite done enough to earn a 40-man roster spot. However, the team doesn't want to specifically release them. They don't want to release them by way of non-tendering them. They would like to keep them around. They really would like to keep them around, but they haven't done enough to earn a 40-man roster spot. They just have So there is that little uh, in-between area. There is that little bit in-between area for players right before the draft deadline day. Right before the draft deadline day. The team has the opportunity, if it's acceptable to both sides, if the player is good with it, and if the team is good with it, the team can offer the player a contract for the next season. I'm going to offer you a contract. Here's the paperwork. You can sign it, or you can not sign it, either or. If you don't sign it, you're going to be a free agent. You're going to be out looking for a team to sign with. We might be interested in you, but we're not going to be giving you a 40-man roster spot. And the entire premise is we want to keep you around. We want to keep you around, but we can't really offer you a 40-man roster spot for any of a various number of different reasons. It's just not going to happen. The Cubs have a number of players like that. I'll start it off with P.J. Higgins. P.J. Higgins, the Cubs would probably very much like to have P.J. Higgins around next year. P.J. Higgins probably has no problem with how the Cubs have treated him through the years. Um, he's generally been treated rather well. They've done their best at getting him extra at-bats, etc., etc., etc. P.J. Higgins. And again, it boils to what would probably be the expected minor league rate that the player would be earning. We'll, we'll start with P.J. Higgins. What would P.J. Higgins earn next season as a minor leaguer if he's not with the Chicago Cubs? Let's say Higgins' number is $25,000. I don't know what he would make. It might be forty. it might be fifty. it might be seventy. I don't think so. You know, whatever it is. Whatever the number for P.J. Higgins that he would probably make would be, give him a little on top. Give him a little bit on top. So let's say 
he would have made $25,000 probably otherwise. The Cubs make the offer of, we're not, if you sign this contract, if you sign this contract, we're not going to give you a 40-man roster spot, but we will give you $30,000 next year to be a minor league player in the Cubs pipeline. He is not required to sign said contract. He is not required to, but he very well might. P.J. Higgins is that type of player. He's close, but not close enough. I don't think the Cubs want to use an entire offseason with P.J. Higgins having a 40-man roster spot. I'm really starting to think Corey Abbott is in the same situation. Michael Hermosillo, injured, is in the same situation. Perhaps Sergio Alcantara is in the same situation. Perhaps, perhaps, maybe, perhaps, not definitely, perhaps. With many of these players, their season is still ongoing and they have a chance to adjust that. For instance, if Sergio Alcantara is fantastic for the last couple of weeks, maybe he earns a 40-man roster spot free and clear. However, Michael Hermosillo, that is not going to happen. P.J. Higgins, that is not going to happen. Michael Hermosillo, Corey Abbott, Sergio Alcantara, and P.J. Higgins all go in the box. That's what the box is. The box is a list of players who probably are just shy of earning a 40-man roster spot, but the Cubs would be pleased as punch to have them around next season. Now, it could be that one of them or two of them say, you know, really, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the offer, but I really want to go out and in a lockout try to find my own best offer. And if that's what they want to go with, that's fine. That's fine. That's understandable. I would understand why a player might want to do that. Um, with Hermosillo, with P.J. Higgins, that might be rather tough. Corey Abbott, Sergio Alcantara, they are also in the box. The box, I also have an asterisk by each of their names on my most recent 40-man roster. Full break. Deep breath. The Cubs' 40-man roster is now full. Nick Martini is on the 40-man roster, as is Michael Hermosillo. With the announcement that Michael Hermosillo is done for the season, he can be placed at any moment, and frankly should be placed at any moment, on the 40-man uh, on the 60-day injured list because he's done for the year. 60-day injured list has nothing to do with 60 days. What it has to do with is he's done for the year. So he's done for the year. If the Cubs see anyone on the waiver wire who, I'm going to say this twice, makes sense long-term. Makes sense long-term. If the Cubs see anyone that makes sense long-term on the waiver wire, they might the heck as well claim them. Pitcher, outfielder, infielder, catcher, right fielder, doesn't matter what. If the person looks intriguing long-term. This person might be worth a 40-man roster spot in the offseason. Claim him. Claim him and figure out something. 
figure out someone to send down, figure out a way. I'm not entirely sure what reliever I want to send down. I'm just not seeing any relievers right now that are bad. I'm not seeing any relievers that are bad. All of the Cubs, Efros, Maples, McGill, Morgan, Rucker, Wick, Rodriguez, Hoyer, they all belong. They all belong. Possibly not at the major league level next year, but they belong on the 40-man roster. But if there's someone out there who this guy would be fun to get in the pitch lab in the offseason. This guy makes sense. He just had something go wrong. He, he, he I, I don't know what, whatever it is. And on the offensive side, you're not comparing bringing in a player to, you're not comparing it to um, prime Ted Williams. You're not comparing it to prime Joe DiMaggio. It's Nick Martini. It's Nick Martini. I, I, Martini, no problem with him. He's good and all that. He's fine. It's, it's wonderful having him around. He's a decent pinch hitter. He's a great bench guy. He possibly might be a fantastic hitting coach at some point in the future. But if you see a guy who, yeah, 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 this guy makes sense for the offseason for a 40-man roster spot, if it ends up being a situation where, well, Nick Martini, you're getting sent back to Iowa. You're getting, you know, uh, not, uh, DFA'd again, you know, whatever. If that ends up happening for a player who makes long-term sense, that's perfectly fine because it's Nick Martini. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not a question of you have a major player with a major future with the team and da-da-da. Nick Martini is a guy who's going to be on the roster through the end of the season, and at the end of the season, he's going to be done. Whichever game you selected in the pipeline tonight, I know a number of people went to the game up in Beloit. I know that a number of us were following the Tennessee game. I know that many people were watching the Cubs game. All games were fantastic. And they were entirely different games. <laughs> entirely different games. Uh, the Tennessee game... The Tennessee game and the Chicago game both ended with three-run homers. The Beloit game and the Chicago game were both pitchers' duels the entire way. Fantastic baseball, but almost different games. The Tennessee game, 12-9. Uh, Chattanooga made four errors. Very fun baseball, regardless which choice you selected. And as a reminder, as a reminder, in case I haven't mentioned it a couple times before, minor league games are worth listening to. Not all of them are going to be good. Some of them are going to be clunkers. Sometimes you will have a pitcher that, oh my God, I can't listen to this guy. Oh my God, this is horrible to watch this pitcher. But realistically, if you track it, the minor league games can be as entertaining as the major league games. No the slightly better than routine play will not be executed as often. But you're going to learn a whole lot. Um, I'm glad to see in the South Bend game that Liam Spence, who is going to be the default starting shortstop most of the rest of the way, 
had a hit and two walks today. Um, I'm not going to worry about him if he scuffles in his first year of pro ball if the struggles are at high A. I had commented that if he did hit well at advanced A ball as a professional novice, that would be points above. That would be that would be receiving an extra ball when you're playing um, pinball. If he struggles to hit a bit because the um, pitching is somewhat advanced and he's going to need more than his fractional season to adjust to advanced A ball, eh, it's fine. No problem. I kind of really expected it. But um, it's nice to see that at least tonight on a night where the pitchers dominated, Liam Spence was Liam Spence. Two walks and a hit. One other thing about Liam Spence, if he ever does make it to double A ball, if Liam Spence makes it to double A ball, he played at UTK. He played in Knoxville. Do you think that maybe, perhaps, just perhaps, just maybe, there might be a couple of people wearing orange, people wearing Tennessee orange, coming out of the woodwork to go watch Liam Spence play for the Smokies. I think there's a slight possibility of that. Continue, continue, continue to assess your 40-man roster. Some people probably think I'm making too big, too big of a deal of it. Let the professionals decide on that. I think that's the fun. I think that's where the fun part is. Assessing who is the guy that makes sense. Should Alcantara be retained into 2022 on the 40-man roster? There are tough decisions, and yeah, they're very tough decisions. And that's the fun part. Making the decision for yourself. Why is it that you're going with the decision that you're going with? And by the way, is your decision one that Jed Hoyer went with as well. Disagreeing doesn't make you wrong. Agreeing doesn't make you right. Um, agreeing means that you agreed. Fantastic baseball tonight. The season is unfortunately winding down. Boy, I hope there's something in the off season that somehow kind of sort of represents the same sort of fun baseball we had tonight, regardless whether it was the South Bend game, which got over, I, I didn't check the time on that game. It, it probably got over about two hours and 20 minutes. Um, and the Tennessee game, which went three and a half days. And the Cubs game, Chicago game, which was also fantastic. It, the The Chicago game started after, <coughs> Chicago game started at seven. Tennessee game started at 6. They ended like 5 or 6 minutes apart. So yeah, the uh the pacing of the games were different, the scores of the games were different, the ability to hit in games was different, but they were all really close. They were all really fun. And tomorrow, 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 
we get a doubleheader with Myrtle Beach. And I don't know who the starters are going to be, but they have to be getting close to having Daniel Palencia pitch again. Have a great Wednesday night. I'll talk to you on Thursday.